Um, so, so what I'd like to start is I'd just like us to popcorn out a few of you to say if you could get that one thing that would be totally amazing beyond your expectations, even beyond what you thought you might be able to get here. All right, so let's just go right to the crux of what this whole thing is. So the premise number one, uh, hopefully I'm going to convince you of that if you're not already convinced, is that self is really an illusion and that what you really are is a network of relationships. Uh, and you are still a sponge. So you know how we often talk about how children are sponges? You know, we've got to be careful that we don't expose them to X-rated movies and all kinds of crazy stuff. What I'm asserting here, and, and there's a lot of scientific evidence that shows that it's true, is you're still that sponge. You, may, you have a bigger identity, a bigger ego, a bigger sense of self, but you are still very much a sponge taking in your environment. And that environment is affecting you in ways that uh, normally we don't acknowledge or think about. Um, and then in terms of the ecosystem, so this is all going to be based around, so these first two premises are what we're going to start working with. And then in terms of your ecosystem, so I'm going to primarily start talking about your social ecosystem. And you have a role within that social ecosystem. You have multiple roles within your social ecosystem. And those roles are in some areas aligned with what you want, and in some areas may not be aligned with what you want. And they may be aligned with your talents. Um, another way, a way to think about it is as if you're a species. As if you're a species within a forest or within some kind of ecosystem. You have the gifts of a redwood, or you have the gifts of a bear, or you have the gifts of a salmon, or you have the gifts of a, a, a fungi. And those are inherent in you. Your whole life experience up to this point has given you a ton of gifts that are make easy for you to play this role. So part of what we're doing here is to, if you don't already know that rule, is to define that role, to find that natural gift that you have. The next premise is, is that your ecosystem right now, for the most part, is just thrown together. It's just the people you're with, the things that you do, the, it, it's, it's not necessarily bad, but there's no design behind it. It's just, it is. It is what it is, you just kind of did it. You know, just like that's how our life happens, we just kind of did it. So what we're gonna work on today is how we can actually design that with more intentionality. Um, those of you that are permaculture based, um, when I bring into the principles, so that's the next section. So we'll align our design with nature. Um, and then there's certain principles that make ecosystems thrive. So what's different about what we're gonna do here today is we're gonna take those principles of ecosystems and we're gonna apply them into your life and specifically into your goal. So we're gonna, we're gonna try to transcribe who you are as an individual in your social ecosystem and your desires in your life that are mapped in this one goal that you're gonna focus on today and make those mesh so that they move in a direction that instead of using willpower in a linear way to go straight towards a goal, you're gonna, instead of working on that goal, like I'm gonna lose 50 pounds, instead of I'm gonna lose 50 pounds, I am a network of relationships. How do I redesign those relationships? How do I empower the relationships that I already have so that, well, I wouldn't say lose 50 pounds, so that I become healthy and vital in the way that I want to become healthy and vital? So that those, those roles, you're, you're, you're using your inherent talents and your inherent roles and attracting and drawing and utilizing the people in your life so that that goal wants to happen. 
not that you're making it happen. That's the real difference. And that's why most people, that's why when you say New Year's resolutions, most people are like, oh, don't work. You know, 90, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's upwards of 90% people make them and they don't happen. Or the other flip side of that is you have people who are completely disconnected from nature and from the world around them, and their goal is all will. It's just they're a will person and they make things happen. And there's none of those people in this room today. You know, they don't, they don't need to be here. Uh, unless they wanted to have a little bit more ease and joy in their life, then maybe they would come. But, so maybe that'll be the next workshop and we'll draw down and from the thread. So just take a first stab at a goal. So just go ahead and write down something simple that uh, you'd like to work on. Don't worry about um, getting it right. Just write down an area you want to work on. Or write down a goal as you are, are thinking of articulating. So there's been, while you're writing, I'm going to just say some things that are popping in my mind. Um, there's a lot of scientific work out there right now. One of, when I talk about the eco-ecology of prosperity, I'm also talking about the human ecology, so just the biology of yourself. So there's a lot of studies out there that show that you can access parts of your brain uh, better just by breathing deeply and sitting up straight. So, or stretching. So if you feel compelled in the, your process of writing to breathe deeply, if you'd like to stretch a little bit, I encourage that because it will actually, it's proven, make it easier for you to access parts of your brain that get shut down. Or you otherwise don't do that. Now rate your confidence, that is the first one. Yeah, rate your confidence in achieving your goal. Uh, I suppose write the goal first and then rate your confidence. Probably should have put that below. I'm just going to read through some of the principles of resilient ecosystems. And the point is to just start thinking of them this way. Start thinking like resilient ecosystems. So it, it takes a little bit of creative thought to map your goal into a creative ecosystem. Because it doesn't seem like, you know, if my goal is to, so you see the example that I put in here, uh, get out of debt, right? So I actually used my literal goal here. Um, and went through the workbook so you'd see an example of it. So in the second one, so let's move on to the second question. So in the second question we say, make your goal specific, positive, personal, present, and time specific. Um, it doesn't necessarily transcribe over to an ecosystem thinking, except that uh, ecosystems are always timed. So one of the principles of resilient ecosystems is, you know, in, in man-made systems, we sort of bypass timing, we kind of make things happen, and sometimes things are always on, and, and ecosystems are always cyclical, and they're always timed to the cyclical energy flows and resource flows. So timing is critical, and uh, personal, positive, and specific, those aren't necessarily ecological principles, uh, unless somebody has an idea of how they are more than happy to hear that. Uh, but from, there's a couple of different ways to relate to this. One is there's principles that just work for setting goals, and that's a whole section that I have here, and then there's principles for resilient ecosystems. So this particular one right here, is, it's, it's really just for setting goals. That, it's an easier way to think about it that way. So who has a goal that they like to? Well, let me just read this one, and then I'll ask you who's got a goal. So basically, I went from get out of debt to uh, save $5,000 by December 13th, starting in February, 
Every month for the next 10 months, we spend $500 less than we make while paying double our minimum payments on our unsecured debt. So that's a little different than getting out of debt, right? So this is uh, brain science uh, and psychological studies. So there's this study that they did. And what they did was they took students who, you know, they had to study for a test over the summer, right? And they took one group of students and said, go study for that test, right? And they took the other group of students and they said, go study for that test, but I want you to write down on this piece of paper where you're going to do it. I want you to write down the piece of paper when you're going to do it. I want you to write down the piece of paper who you're going to do it with. What day of the week? So just real simple stuff. What, where, where, and how? You know, are you going to use, what color paint are you going to use? Stuff like that. More detail, the better. And then they just gave them back the paper. And those students that just did that, they didn't even take it with them. They didn't even have a reminder. They were twice as likely to do the study questions over the summer. So if you just simply do steps one and two, move from a, a vagueish goal to a more specific, you're going to double your chances of success. And that's worth the price of admission alone, right? That's where we start. So we start with the stuff that we know works. So get specific. So who would like to work with me on, on specifying their goal? Yeah? Um, so I've got lots of, I've got some children's books that I've already written and published, mm -hmm. self-published. Mm -hmm. But marketing, I haven't have hardly marketed at all. And then I'm working on two other writing projects. Um, I have uh, an old book of poetry, and I'm working on a memoir. And I'd like to get all of these things done and make money on them by the end of the year. Okay. Um, so uh, another principle that I'm going to talk about is being conservative. I'm sorry. Being conservative. Being conservative. So what you want to do from a mental perspective is you want to retrain yourself so that when you speak, this is the part of the commitment one, when you speak into the world, into the world, I'm going to do this, right? That you just, you, you're the kind of person that does it, right? And how you do that, you know, is pretty, it's, it's pretty simple, but it's, it's against our nature. And that is to make it smaller, make it more specific, shorten the duration of time. So what most of us do is we set, this is what we think we really, we, we need to get this done, right? So we focus on that. Instead of doing that, you can have that out in front of you. As long as it inspires you, it doesn't, you know, make you, you look at it and you're like, oh my God, I can't, I can't think about that again. Instead of just holding that there, focus on, you know, the next week or the next two months. So I would recommend for every one of the goals that you're working on that make a two-month chunk. And then at the end of the book, we're going to parse that down into the next one. So, so the first thing I would say is parse your goal in as conservative a way as you can into the next months or the next week. But make it also something you feel good about in those next months or those next few. So everyone, you can start writing that kind of stuff down. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, so there's two things that we want to work on. One is we're going to work on how that goal is articulated so that it actually comes to fruition. 
more than two things. Um, you'll find sometimes I stop and change and speak. I just want to make sure I'm communicating the truth to the best of my ability. So there's more than two things. One is there's that part of it, like articulating it so that it's definable, it's measurable, we can know that you succeeded. And then the other part of it is actually developing the internal relationship of self so that I say I'm going to do this and this happens. So if, she, if you can see a marketing plan, if that actually is something that you can really see yourself happening and it is just a little stretch, then that's good. But if you need something like, oh, I need to finish X book, or I need to write, what, if that's something to you, it has to be something that you can, with support, that's going to be the next part of the workshop, with, with the support of your community, you can move into. So it logistically makes sense, but I'm sort of saying the logic isn't important right now. What's important more is the relationship to self and the relationship to commitment. So we want to start that process of developing a commitment orientation in the way that you're setting your goals. But think of something that you, not necessarily is going to be easy for you, because there's there's people, there's there's a, a few different types of people. So see if you're one of these types. If you're the type of person that never sets goals, you're probably not in the room if you're that type of person. Or you're the type of person that sets super easy goals, and you always make them. Or you're the type of person, and I tend to be on this side, I set huge goals, I rarely ever make them. I mean, in the past, until I trained myself how to do this. So, if, whichever way you are, if you're the person who sets goals that are always super easy for you, you want to stretch it out. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how you're going to create an ecosystem of support. And that's going to be critical. It's using that ecosystem of support rather than your willpower to move to that next step in your goal. That'll come later on in the session. So, figure out for yourself which one of those you are, and either if you're really conservative, stretch. If you're hyper huge, shrink. Um, if you don't make goals at all, well, make one. <laughs> um, this part of the process, just look for the place you want to go. And, if, and what, I'm, what I want you to, if you're a big goal person, shrink it down, make it a little more time specific. So, because the, the, the point is, is, to, is to get to that place and succeed, because success builds on itself. If you keep, you know, we'll talk about failure, maybe now is the time to talk about failure. There's two things about failure. The, if, you, if you fail, and you don't have a powerful relationship with failure, then you're just left with failure. Um, but if, once you start succeeding, in at least, so there's two things. This, I've never written this down, so I'm, I'm articulating this for the first time. When you experiment on how you're going to achieve your goals, you want to be able to fail. You want to have the capacity to fail and get feedback from the world. But when you set your goal to yourself on what you're going to do, you want to succeed. So you want to build on successes of what you're telling yourself that you're going to do. Does that make sense? Did that communicate? Can you say it again? Yeah, so when you're experimenting on how you're going to achieve your goal, you want to have a capacity to fail. So I'll, I'll flesh that out a little bit more with an example. So Thomas Edison was asked when he invented the light bulb by some uh, reporter. And this was on his 8,000th failure. He said, the reporter said, you failed at, at trying to invent this crazy thing called the light bulb 8,000 times. Well, why don't you just give up? And Thomas Edison goes, 
you know, uh, I'm sorry, young man, but you just don't know how the world works. I now know 8,000 ways not to make a light bulb. And within that, he didn't say this, but within that, he also knows threads of ways that are working, that are moving him closer to that light bulb. And so back to ecology and ecosystems, that's what nature does inherently. It's constantly just moving towards more life. And, oh, this is working. Okay, we'll keep going. This isn't working, it'll go extinct. This is working, it'll keep going. Oh, this isn't working, it'll go extinct. It just keeps moving that way. And what we have as humans is so amazing is we get to build ecosystems. And that's incredible. Because we get to evolve, we get to, we get to create evolution. Now the problem is, is that our whole society is creating an evolutionary state that's going in a direction that doesn't match with the health and vitality of life. So what we're going to try to do is start, well, what I'm trying to do, and hopefully you guys get totally into it too, is start a, a, a cultural movement where we start to invent and create and evolve in a way that aligns with the principles of life. So that we create ecosystems, social ecosystems, economic ecosystems, any kind of ecosystem you can think of that uses those principles to thrive. So that's the relationship you want to have with failure is as an inventor. So that one of the principles that ecology that is inherent in a, in a thriving ecosystem is, is really strong feedback loops. So there's always information that's trafficking through all of the entities within a forest or within any kind of ecosystem that you can imagine. And that, those entities are always adapting. They're always taking in that information and adapting. So what we want to do is have strong feedback loops inside of our own experimentation of our, to achieve our goals. So one of your best feedback loops is failure. You know, there's this kind of, I, I'm really anti the, there's a, there's, a, there's a meme in our culture where we try not to say that anybody fails. Like, failures, oh, it defeats the ego, it's, ah, self-confidence goes down. You want to have, you want to go into failures and, and learn and grow and like, oh yeah, I failed again. Anybody <laughs> who, create, who creates anything great fails a lot. They fail all the time. But they don't see it as a bad thing. They see it as a lesson and a learning and a movement forward. So that's the main point. So that's the relationship you want to have with the way you try to achieve your goals. And even when you fail on one of your goals, you want to still see it as that learning procedure, that learning process. What did I do differently? You know, did I not have breakfast that day? Did I hang out with somebody who's always, you know, talking about how sick they are, and then I, you know, felt like I couldn't go and do what I wanted to do because I felt sick? Whatever. You know, you gotta, you, 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 you're just in this. The only real expectation, if you know, expectations can motivate you. They can also just send you down a spiral of like, I don't get my expectations. But the one thing you should always expect is to grow and to learn. Just never let a growth opportunity or a learning opportunity pass you by. And every time you fail, huge opportunity. There's always a nugget there. Always. And we're just, we, we don't think about it that way. I don't, I don't know why they don't stress it more in education, but. Students would do so much better if they stress that. And another interesting thing, I'm, a bit on, I'm kind of on a rant, but I'm going to finish this thought. Uh, they talk a lot in Silicon Valley about the ecosystem of entrepreneurship. And if you look at our world, you know, 
probably the reason that when the economy tanked that everything didn't tank was at least we had this in innovative entrepreneurial sort of economic engine that was kind of holding things up. Maybe that extended the, uh, the, the collapse from our fossil fuel economy. I don't know, I'm just speculating. But that, I mean, if you look at what they've invented, not necessarily aligned with nature, but just the sheer system of invention. They talk about the ecosystem there. And the ecosystem is not only all the components that are supporting that inventive culture, but it is a culture of failure. You know, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about, like some companies have these, these um, segments of time, paid time, where they're not even working on what the company's doing. They're doing 20, it's 20% 20 in a lot of companies where they just work on whatever they want. And they're encouraged to fail to you know break things so that's my rant about failure I hope I've convinced you to fail a lot but not to try to fail you want to try to succeed in keeping your word to yourself and fail a lot in your process in your experimentation in how you approach what you're trying to achieve and learn and learn from it because then it becomes fun does everybody have the rudiments of a goal that they're working on Got something like that? Okay, and has has everyone at least gone to the second stage? Uh, no, we haven't gotten to that yet. So let's let's do that. If you've already written down your goal in, in part two here, uh, make your goal specific, positive, personal, present, and time specific. Um, let's do that. So if your goal is more of a being state, then uh, that's okay, don't worry about the time thing right now. But if that tends to be, if you're if you're not the detailed person and you tend to make big goals, try to really specify right here. When it, so I'll read mine again. So I went from get out of debt to save $5,000 by 2013, starting in February, every month for the next 10 months, we spend $500 less than we make so paying double our minimum payments on unsecured debt. So very specific, right? Very tangible, every month. We spend less, we spend, we, we spend $500 less than we earn every month. Okay. And that's a stretch for us. It's not huge, but it's a stretch for us. It's probably, it's pretty big. I might actually need to, I tend to go big, so I might need to actually tone that back a little bit in my relationship to myself so that I'm empowered and keeping my word to myself. And that's what will happen over the next few weeks um, is refining that goal as I see what's working, what's not working. So what time frame are we working with, Jim? Well, that's up to you. I would recommend, for the purposes of this exercise, just do two months. I'm going to encourage you to create a support structure in your own life. <coughs> you know, find somebody in your own life that can work with you on these kind of things. That would be the type of person that would support you, um, and that you're unwilling to break your word. That's a really that's a challenging one, um, or at least you're willing to learn about it. Okay, so who would like to work with me to specify their goal? I will. Okay, great. <coughs> what did you write down your goal? My goal was to uh, feeling supported by hiking for healing, or something I'm even more in line with, which I have a possibility that it could be something bigger. So let me ask you a question: Is your goal feeling supported? Uh, specifically in that interest. So the goal is not to do a tangible thing outside of yourself. It's an internal state that you're looking to achieve. 
Well, my general, that was my general goal. Right, okay. So, and do you have an idea of what a specific goal might be? Um, because an internal state goals are critical. I was just talking to Aaron about his goal. Uh -huh. And he, can I mention what we talked about? And, and he's launched a new business, and he's an entrepreneur. And so he has to shift his mindset to a positive, solution-oriented entrepreneur yeah. from the fear and doubt stuff that's coming up. Mm -hmm. So for him, it's entirely appropriate to have an internal state goal. And in your state, in your goal, it might be appropriate too. And it might also be appropriate to have a tangible physical. <laughs> so that's what I'm just trying to drill down. Is it is it an internal state goal, or is it something outside that you want to produce? Both. Both. Great. No. Do you have some physical things in place already? Um, I have a website. Uh -huh. and I don't have anything planned. So you're going to know better than I what the physical, tangible goals might be. Mm -hmm. What I would say would be something that you could imagine that you could do in two months, but might be a stretch. So is there anything like that comes to mind? I'd like to receive some clients or plan some events. Okay, so maybe pick one of those. I could plan an event. Okay, and when you say plan an event, do you mean execute it within the two months? Or do you mean have it planned by the end of the two months? Like you could have it, you could have, you know, for this, for this event, for example, I had it planned uh, and laid out and the space committed like three months in advance. So I had it planned, I had a goal to have it planned out and set and confirmed at a particular, particular time. So could you make a goal to plan and have that set that in stone by the end of the two the two months and have your sort of marketing material out or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. So that would be a great goal. And then you said you had a two part goal. So it's really important to it, it, it's the goal to be to feel supported. Yeah. And that's an internal goal. You're clear about that, right? That doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. Okay. That's that's interesting. That's I'm the way it works. That. That's the way it works. Uh -huh. If you're setting, you have to set a goal that you can completely control. Right. And you can't control your feeling of support, but it's not going to look like somebody else is supporting you outside. It's going to look to your look the way you relate to to support. So you can also make a goal to get physical support from somebody else. But that's another production thing. That's an outside thing. It's a production goal rather than an interstate goal. That's good. So maybe there's a goal in there that you can articulate that would empower you of how you actually feel in the process of pursuing this. Maybe it's empowered. Maybe it's enlightened. Maybe it's supported. So that's a great goal. You can feel supported. But the one thing that if you're going to set that as your goal, it has to be you who are doing the work to feel supported, not anybody else. Okay, so then I, with the stuff that we talked about right now, changes brain chemistry when you write it. So we we'll try to write something out. Yeah, well, write. You know, my goal is to be is to feel supported. If that's the internal goal, and then the external goal to create a marketing plan and pick a venue by what's two months out from today. Can somebody help me? Two months out from today would be March. March fifth. Okay. Great. Good. So did it, did, was that valuable? Did you guys get some for your own stuff? Okay. I'm curious if you could relate what you talked about in terms of failure in the experimentation phase with the specifics of maybe what he just suggested. So how how would the okayness with failure? Yeah. With that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's really good. Um, well, I think I'll say, I'll start with one thing. And one thing is, is that in that process of the internal goal of feeling supported and the external goal of setting the marketing uh, and the venue, uh, the material for it, um, that we're gonna break out that goal into eight segments. And that each week, you're gonna create a tangible action. And it's more, it's more difficult to create a tangible action around an internal state goal, um, but you can still do that. And you can measure yourself. And so that at each week when you check in with the group or with your support person, that when you experience a failure, that you come back at that end of that week and write down or at least discuss with the person that you're working with what those lessons were. Like what did you, in your process of self-determining your goal, the result actually occurring from the inside of your internal state, what did you learn? What, was there a place where it was hard for you to feel satisfied? Was there something you could do to, to have more satisfaction? When you were up against details, did, were there certain details in marketing that were more challenging and other ones were easy? Uh, and then on the bigger picture, when we get to the next section about creating an ecosystem support around that, what part of your ecosystem helped you? What part pulled you away? And how can you recraft those relationships? I would start to think maybe as you guys are, are listening to what I'm saying and, and your goal is start to think about the people in your life and how they relate to you in your goal. Like what are their, how do they, how do you think about them? Are they really good at what you want? Do they actually, like I have, um, I have people in my life that are confidence people. Like whenever I need confidence, I go to them, you know? Like that's their job for me. They just pump me up, you know? And a lot of times that's just what I need. Like the details aren't what I need right now. I just need to be pumped up. But there's other people in my life that I don't go to for that because that's not their role in my ecosystem. They play a different role. When I need to save money and get my bootstraps up and start, you know, getting into action, there's a whole other group of people, you know, in my ecosystem that I go to intentionally for that. Right. Oh, this is a good one. Okay, so let's 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 do this. Let's do a little um, relaxing, centering exercise. So sit up straight in your chair. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a visualization and we're going to write down some stuff. So everybody's got a goal to work with, right? And you've articulated in as positive a way, in as specific a way, and in a conservative way as you're able to at this moment. Everybody got something like that? Yes, 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 okay. Trust that you all got something like that. So now what we're going to do, and this is really taking that next level of brain chemistry science and imagery. So there's, there's studies that now show that when you see something in your mind, even if you're not a very visual person, when you see it in your mind, the line between that actually happening and you seeing it in your mind, razor thin. Razor thin. I can't cite the study specifically, but they just show like people do crazy things that are completely in line with the imagery that they put in their mind. So we're going to do a little imagery work, and then I'm going to ask you to write down what you're imagining. And it's going to be super simple. So basically, just think about your goal, right? The positive goal that you've written down. And then what we're going to, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do, and then we'll do it. Think about your goal. And then what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to visualize various actions associated with that goal. Just see them happen. 
seem happy, seem happy. We'll do that several times, and then you'll write those things down. And then you can come back to that and reinforce that pattern. It's literally a, a, a chemical, electrical groove. You're setting a groove in your brain. You know, we have a groove that sets things all the time. This time we're going to consciously set a groove into something we want to occur. So go ahead and close your eyes when you're ready. Sit up nice and straight. Try to have your shoulders relaxed, jaw slack. And then think about that goal that you've got. Now imagine one action that you're going to take that you could take that would be on the path to realizing that goal. And it's good if it's something that you could do right now, given the money you have, given the time you have, given the where you are, the relationships you know, whether it's picking up the phone or going somewhere or writing something. Just imagine taking that action. Now imagine where you are, see the room around you while you're taking that action. Now imagine how it feels to take that action. Hopefully a celebratory feeling. visualization is challenging for you, you can tell yourself the action you're taking. You can speak it to yourself in your mind. Now see if there's any other people around. see yourself taking that action. Consciously try to create a feeling of joy around taking that action. And literally, the brain chemistry, your brain will start secreting those same positive hormones just by imagining taking that action with joy. It'll happen right now. It's a fact. And you're starting to draw a neural, electrical, chemical relationship with joy in taking that action. It's happening right now. as you can. Place, time, people you're with, 
chair you're sitting at, the things that you're looking at, the feeling of joy or celebration or whatever it is that, uh, that positive, whatever that positive state that you like, creating a positive association. The point is not to get it right. Don't worry about doing the right thing. Just put something on paper. There you have a visualization that is the fulfillment of the goal to the end. You can write that as well. Or you can stay specific on the action. Either one is going to produce a forward movement in your habit. So basically what we're doing is we're literally in the first stage of creating new habit. say a cool anecdote. One of the things that fascinates me about nature is the fractalness of it, how it moves and shape and forms in different sizes. So you have an atom, right, so with the <coughs> electrons going around it. You have a solar system, the planets going around it. You know, and then you have rivers with their fingers and how they move. You have blood with the fingers and the veins. And you have the brain neurons with all their fingers and their webs that they move and as you put a pulse through one part of that brain, it gets bigger, just like you're putting more water into a river. That channel gets stronger and there's more networks that connect to it. Well, like a mycelial network in the forest, the more life there is in that fungi underneath the soil, the more the networks connect, the more they send information that they need to each other. So as we consciously try to create imagery and visualization and action and support structures that literally change the chemistry of our brain so that it's more in line with what we're going to want. Can you speak to that in terms of perhaps having five different goals coming? Like, it's hard for me to separate out to just focus on one goal. I, like you, love to do many different things. So there was a point in my life where I just wasn't getting any of them done. And so I read this book, and this lady said in this book, I don't remember the author, I don't remember the book, she said, put all of those visions and dreams, write them on a piece of paper, put them in a box. Call it your lost and found dream box. <laughs> and just know that you can come back to that box at any time you want and pick one out and start working on it. But, Search through them, find one that really calls to you the most, and just do that. Those other ones are always there. They're always there. You can always come back to them. And that's when I started doing this work. That's when I moved up here and created an amazing social network of people. That's when my life started to happen on my terms. Was when I forced, you know, I had to force myself. There was some willpower into it, in it. But I had a good, you know, I, I guess the other, so here's another thing. So here's the connection. There's somebody in your life who's good at, probably, who's good at one thing at a time. Just try to spend more time with them. Try to have them be your support person in achieving your goal. Or create or adopt, a, you know, come to the support sessions here or in another venue. But make sure that there's that element in your ecosystem that is that part that you lack. So that's how the forest works, right? All the species don't try to be all things to the environment. 
They just exploit what they're good at and rely on the other pieces to exploit what they're good at. So that's the key, I think, for you, is to give yourself the space to come back to these other goals and just focus on one and align yourself with people who do do that. All right. Um, so everybody, did everybody write out their visualization? Story. Yes. Story, visualization, yes. Everybody has? Okay, congratulations. You guys are now uh, double, triple, quadruple what people normally do in pursuit of fulfilling their goals. You're literally like four times or five times more likely than 99% of the people who go out and try to do anything. If there's any drawing people in the room, like if drawing is your thing, feel free to draw out either the actions or the fulfillment of your goal. Now would be a good time to review some of the, or fill in some of the gaps on how to set goals. So we've already covered making it positive. Uh, we didn't really talk so much about making it inspiring. Um, that's, that's really critical. So there's two types of goals. There's one type of goal is coming from a place of, I don't have what I want, I'm gonna get it. So that's inherently fixing something, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with goals that fix something, but they are sort of self-referential back to a negative. So it's better if you're articulating a goal, if you want to have joy in the process of the goal, to actually find out what that thing is that you're moving towards. It's always better to run to something than to run away from something. So if you find in your goal, as you look at it and review it, that it may be fixing a lack, at a minimum, you want to articulate it in a way so that you're moving into something that you want. Because that's going to give you more juice and, and maximally, you want it to be aligned with your deepest values and your deepest passions and your deepest inspirations. Oh, there's two types of goals. So there's a goal in which we're experiencing lack, okay. and we want, to, we want to change it, we want to fix it, right. right? That inherently refers back to the lack. So when you're moving towards that goal, sort of in the back of your mind is lack, getting rid of lack, getting rid of lack. So it always refers back to it. So if you can stop, you can cut that reference back to it by stating it in terms of, you know, like instead of, instead of saying, I want less conflict in my relationship, you say, I want harmony. Not just, but not just harmony. Because harmony is almost referential to conflict. It's I want passion, I want life, I want, you know, union, I want connection, whatever. So whatever mentally you need to do to cut that connection, that reference point to the lack in the way you articulate your goal is going to move you mentally in your mental ecosystem, which we're just barely going to touch on today because it's a whole world into itself, is, is the part that you want to move into. Does that make sense? I'm going to read through all of the basic principles of setting goals in a powerful way. Um, Okay, so make it positive and inspiring. So this is a good, a very important concept. So you can make it, so I said be conservative, right? You can make a giant goal. You can make, you can make your goal being to, uh, you know, become the President of the United States or to transform the monetary system of planet Earth. You know, if, you can make that goal, but if you want to be related to reality about that goal, 
then your ecosystem of support, your social ecosystem has to match that goal in intensity and effectiveness. Because you can't do that alone. Nobody's ever done anything great alone. So you've got to align yourself with the people and the world that's going to make that happen. So I'm all for making great goals. But don't delude yourself into thinking that you're going to do that with your willpower or with your intelligence or with your skills. You're not. You're going to do it with aligning yourself in a world that is going to call that out. You can hold the vision, but that vision is only going to occur if all of your support structure calls it out. Okay. Um, so we already talked about being specific, time conservative, and stretching. Uh, failing forward like Edison, we got that. Um, and this is an important component. We're, talk, we're sort of talking around it, but I want to say it as a concrete principle. Put as much energy into your support structure as taking action on your goal. I'm going to repeat that. It's critical. Put as much energy into your support structure as taking action on your goal. It is the support structure, it is the ecosystem that makes a redwood thrive, that makes a salmon thrive. It is not the salmon's desire to have food. It's everything in the world that makes it possible. So work on the structure. Work on everything that's going to support you. And primarily, that's going to be your social structure. That's going to be the people that you relate to. And that will be the next thing we'll talk about. So we've already talked about visualizing in detail. So the importance of visualization, there's a great uh, sports coach. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know exactly the quote, but it says something like, um, he says he, he coaches professional athletes. And he said, visualization, visualization for athletes, professional, world-class athletes, is only important if you want to win. So it literally, like, nobody who wins as an athlete or in life doesn't visualize themselves first in that role. So whether you do it on purpose or you just accidentally picked up along the way the habit of visualizing yourself doing something. And one of our friends, uh, Dave, like I was talking to him about this, and he's really good at detail-oriented stuff and sort of mid-level stuff. And I was talking about it one day, and he was telling me, I was like, oh, yeah, I always see myself doing those things beforehand. And that thought had never occurred to me. I always tried to visualize myself out like, you know, conquering the world, doing all those great things I wanted to do, but I never visualized myself actually taking the steps. You know, that was what I had to learn in my process, was to bring and connect those pieces together. Okay. Um, plan for overcoming roadblocks. That was the next thing that uh, we were probably going to do in the workbook. So, roadblocks occur. Um, this brings me also to affirmations. So, affirmations are powerful in the sense that as long as you create them in a way that you're not trying to define how you're going to feel while you're doing it. So this is interesting because you can have a goal of feeling supported, right, or whatever your goals are, feeling like a empowered to solve problems. But inside of that goal, on those interstate goals, you have to have the affirmation of your goal is, I have what it takes to follow through, to find that place of ease, or to find that place of fulfillment in myself. But along the way, I'm gonna, whatever's going to come up, it's going to come up. So whether your goal is being ease, or fulfillment, or being problem-solving and positive, 
All of the other stuff, you have to allow that to come up and learn from. So you, the, the affirmation is, I have what it takes to get to that internal state and to that external goal. If we're talking about both internals and externals, because I think it's a powerful conversation which you don't, we don't normally have. You know, when you set a goal for an inner state of fulfillment, of satisfaction, of ease, of uh, problem solving, whatever else, you have to allow the process to unfold, which is going to, it's going to, the opposite's going to show sometimes. You know, you, you, you're never trying to hold that steady state. You're never trying to say, I'm always that. When it arises, you tell yourself, I have the capacity to get to there. I have the capacity to get to there. I have the capacity to get to there. And you'll shorten your time. That, that, I, I like the definition of enlightenment as this. So some people think of enlightenment as a steady state. I like to think of it as uh, like an atom going in and out of reality. Right? So enlightenment is this state of being in that enlightened state and then getting out of it. But going back so quickly, it's like an atom. It's never, you're never like, just enlightened. I mean, maybe you are. I've never met anyone. I've met a lot of really empowered beings. But my, I, that, that empowers me, because I can, I can go for a goal where I'm rapidly turning back on that place that I want to be. You know, on and off, on and off, on and off. There's a great saying that Theodore Roosevelt said, and this applies to everything that you're doing. Start with where you are, or do what you can, from where you are with what you have. So if you have a sense of being fulfilled from this point, and then you have it over here, well, that's where you are, that length of time frame. That's what you have. So what's your what's a good goal to start from? Right? Fulfillment. 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 Fulfillment, right? Just nudge it in. Nudge it in, right? So uh, does that make sense? Does that communicate? Yes. Yeah. Because you know, so often we think of, uh, oh, I need this, or oh, I need that, or only if I have more money, or more time, or more connections, or more capacities, or more skills. Nobody ever got anywhere that way. They always started where they were, and what they had. So that's, I, I was talking about that one around planning for roadblocks. So roadblocks occur when, in our internal goals and our external goals, and you want to plan for them. You want to have a relationship to them, like, oh, there's a roadblock, and then here's what, how I'm going to relate to it, or how I'm going to, how I'm going to try to overcome it, and then when you check in with your support people, this is what worked, this is what didn't work. Or if you don't, even, even if you, I wouldn't recommend this, but let's say it's not practical for you to check in with your support people, you can always write it down. Writing it down does, will take it out of your, you just got to get out of your brain and into the world somehow. It's just, it, that's the bottom line. It's got to get out of your brain. Um, another one is creating pleasure associations. So, happiness, the studies have shown that happiness increases the likelihood of success in other areas. So, any time that you're going for a goal, so, can I reference you? So, Chris is my partner. We live together. And um, we have all these goals around our house, like you know, cleaning things, saving money, um, remodeling this, remodeling that. And so what we've consciously done since we've adopted this principle is associating those actions with things that we enjoy. So it's not necessarily an action that I enjoy taking, uh, but 
we try to say either reward ourselves. I mean, if your goal is to you know be super vital and healthy, then I don't reward myself with you know ice cream, chunky monkey ice cream. You know, but you can still find lots of things you reward yourself with. So we always try to create reward associations with actions that are consistent with your goal. It's celebrating success. But literally, like, so this is a good thing to do right now, because I, I think I'll forget unless we do it right now. Um, let me see if I can find this section here. I guess I don't have it in there. Um, but maybe somewhere in your notes, around your goal, write down some pleasure associations. So just right now, so we'll just take it, take a second to write down your goal and write down some things you could associate it with. Like maybe here, there's a, a, a way you like to listen to music and that really charges you up. Maybe the next time you do that goal, you play that music during or afterwards. Maybe there's a way that there's a certain type of meal you like to eat or a certain type of person you like to be with or maybe it's watching a movie or um, maybe it's getting massaged. Just write down a few examples. That's a good, it's a good distinction. It's not necessarily like a reward for doing good. It's literally associating things you like with the behavior. So maybe there's a particular music you like to listen to, and normally like you're doing something and you don't listen to doing something you don't you don't think about listening to that kind of music. Or so things I can do put me in the zone, put positive feelings around. Put like positive feelings around that activity. Yeah. Maybe it's a person that you, you just like when you talk to that person, you always feel good about yourself. And so maybe you call that person up, and then you do the thing, or you do it. It's just literally creating that positive association. So that would be, and then in addition to the pleasure associations, it's just celebrating small successes. So we have a tendency to only celebrate when we do something big, you know, that it's like, I deserve this. But if you create that reward association as well in smaller doses, then you're going to release more of those you're going to start drawing more of those neural pathways that create that positive association with the actions that you need to take around achieving your goal. This is just a really neat example of, so I don't really know how to put this into the goal structure, but I just love it. I saw it on a TED talk a while ago that, you know, there's certain traditional Chinese medicine doctors that their patients pay them every month that they're healthy. So the doctors incentivize to keep them healthy. So when they get sick, the patients don't, they still have to care for the patient, they're under contract. So I thought that that's a really interesting, just a, something to think about, you know, how is our lives and our society structured so that it incentivizes the opposite of what we want, you know? So again, just, just food for thought, things to think about. How can you design your, your structural ecosystem, your social ecosystem so that it's aligned with that? What I like to talk, what I like to encourage you to do, especially on achieving any goals, is one, to question beliefs, especially beliefs that may say, I, you know, I can't accomplish this, or something similar to that. But secondly, is to practice belief. You know, because in a lot of ways, belief is repetition. Because if you look out in the world, it can't possibly be true that everybody's right. And look at how many beliefs there are. It just you can't. There's, there's no, there, there's maybe no, maybe there is no right, but there is an order to the universe that keeps matter functioning and makes ecosystems thrive. So we want to rely upon that in the way that we structure our lives. But 
just practice. Practice moving that belief edge. And then you may find that you practice moving a belief edge and then it becomes real for you. There's a great uh, anecdote that I heard from a successful entrepreneur. And he was being interviewed by a, an author. And he was talking about how he related to his work as an entrepreneur. And he said, you know, um, it's not that I have a positive attitude or that I have faith in myself. I'm conveniently delusional. <laughs> you know, because he's, you know, he's really aware that that faith in himself is, is, is bigger than reality can hold, and it serves him well. So it's, it's something to think about. Like, faith and belief is the power in the engine of your life in a lot of ways. So to start playing with it in a more malleable way is a really powerful way to start looking at it. Okay. Um, so we already did the visualization. Uh, the more that you can get your accountability group, your, so your support structure to encourage you, to support you, to remind you to do the visualization, the more it's going to help. Again, remember that elite athletes only visualize if they want to win. So you're an elite athlete in your life. Like whatever it is that you want to do, you came here because you want to accomplish something. I think it's critical in this idea of, um, of designing a support structure, for the attainment of your goal, is to know what your functional, what your, what you really are. Like, are you like a red? One? Are you like a sand? Are you like a bear? I'm, I'm liking the redwood forest metaphor these days. Um, so, so let's let's do this on the break. As you're casually eating some food, going to the bathroom, talking to people, maybe speculate uh, on what your. There's a couple ways I like to approach it. One is you can call it. This is sort of a fun way. You can call it your superpower. So, like, if you're into superheroes, you call it your superpower. Okay. <laughs> So you can, you can, if you want to walk around and introduce yourself, if you want to, as a superpower, you know, like, you know, a mic, I can see through walls, right? Whatever. And that'll give you access to something. Or you can be more tangible. You can say, like, you know, I'm Mike and I'm, I'm a great teacher. Or I'm a visionary. Whatever. So just start speculating. You don't have to introduce yourself like that. You can open a conversation and sort of like, oh, I know what I am. What do you think I am? So that would be sort of the working dynamic of the lunch, or you can just like meditate, do whatever you need to do. So break time starts now, and let's reconvene. It's now 12.58. Let's reconvene, um, let's say 1.20. Okay? All right. Exactly. So remember, food's over there, bathrooms left, right out, one or two, uh, Potential roadblocks. So, and those can be internal, like losing confidence in yourself or in the process or the goal, and the, or they can be external, uh, running out of time, running out of money. Uh, just write a couple roadblocks. Give me a couple minutes to do that. How are you overcoming? So the point is not to get the right answer. The point is just to put some energy into. <laughs> the blocks that are going likely to occur and how you might begin to become someone who 
relates to those roadblocks as opportunities to learn and to grow and to take a new kind of different action. So you're literally going to start training yourself right now to transform those roadblocks into learning opportunities and to new actions. So go ahead and sit down, sit up straight. When you're ready, close your eyes. Remember again the brain chemistry, that the more relaxed, the more centered, the more grounded you are, the more your brain is going to function better. You're going to be able to access more parts of your brain in a way that's proactive. And so take a few moments to relax and center. Smooth deep breaths, slack jaw. Feeling your hips heavy on the chair or the ground. Like a light string holding your spine up. So in that nice, calm, relaxed state, see, think about your goal, and see one of those roadblocks but just came. It happened, whether it's an idea, an emotion, or an actual physical thing. See, paint the picture. See the person, the thing, the idea. See it in the room that you'd be in. See when and where it would likely occur. <coughs> with me, with my savings, what happened when I'm depositing my check. That's when my challenge would come. So whenever that challenge would come, see where you would be when that challenge would occur. See it happen. Now see yourself, seeing yourself, and ask yourself that question, or have somebody else ask you that question, maybe one of your mentors or uh, those people that you hold in high regard, or even ask them, how would they move through this roadblock? How would they overcome this roadblock? You can literally see them talking to you, see yourself talking to you, see an animal talking to you. But see a solution coming to you. Knowing that there's no right or wrong. It's just a process of experimentation. And then see yourself taking that action, reformulating the way that you approach your goal so that you compensate for that roadblock, so that you're now moving past it into a new place, 
and see yourself in that new place, having taken that new action and experienced that triumph of seeing a roadblock, navigating it, breaking it, moving around it, crawling over it, going under it, whatever it took. Celebrating it however you like to celebrate it, maybe by sharing it with friends, having a nice treat. And remember while you're seeing yourself doing this that you're you're literally creating neural pathways. You're, you're actually creating the brain. You're, the brain is releasing the chemicals. Your body is, the mind is releasing the chemicals into the brain and drawing those neural pathways right now. The brain does not know the difference between you doing that and you imagining that you're doing that. The difference is so thin that your brain doesn't know the difference. Right now it's sending those images, that idea to your brain. The stronger you can see it, or again, if you have a problem, it's harder for you to visualize and verbalize it. Again, see yourself with your goal. The roadblock occurs. Try your new experimentation, move around the roadblock, and then you succeed. You see your success. Celebrate. Take a moment to fill yourself with joy for the accomplishment of succeeding, moving through the challenge place, and getting to the place you want be to, embracing the whole process, knowing that the joy does not come without the challenge, that they are self-referential. Let's take it one step further. Let's get a little Buddhist right now. Let's send out that joy experience to everyone and everything. So just let your success be the world's success. Because on a plane, on a level of consciousness, every time you succeed, it affects in a positive way every being out there. So consciously let that happen and encourage that to happen. Feel how you're fed by the success. Just the imagining of success. There's a palpable shift in the energy in the room already happening. We're already creating a social ecosystem of success right now. Enjoy it and when you're ready with your new empowered brain chemistry as you're ready. Come back into the room. I have to say this because I didn't think I was going to talk about this but I don't want to put off anyone who doesn't really think about the energetics past the mind, but I have a tangible experience in my body when 
I feel other people's thoughts. And it, it warms me up when they're good. Like I can, my body literally warms up. And when they're negative, it literally tightens down. I don't even have to see the person. They can be over there and I'll notice that into my body and then I'll see them. So that is real. Everything you think, every emotional state that you have cascades out into your world. Um, it's a heavy, I mean, it's hard to accept that because it's, it's a deep responsibility to say like, wow, my thoughts are not just my own. My emotions are not just my own. They really do affect everyone around me. So uh, the good news is, is that we're all connected. The bad news is, is that we're all connected. <laughs> so, so empower that, you know, ride with that. Use it to your advantage because it's a, the thing is, is it's affecting you all the time anyways. And you're affecting everyone around you all the time anyways. So you might as well use it to your advantage. Do the best that you can. Again, not from a place of guilt, but starting with what you can from where you are with what you have. That felt really good. of a goal. It's, root of, it's fairly specific and it's um, positive, right? Everyone's got their goal to be positive, fairly specific, hopefully more specific as you work on it. Uh, so now let's take that goal and see if we can apply you in your life to that goal. Uh, share, if you like, share your goal. Share the roadblock that you saw would stop you, and what you came up with as the uh, way around through or whatever I told them. Okay. It's really important uh, as you're, you're, you're writing a neural map now socially and verbally, and you're creating a pattern. So make sure you include the strategy around it. So that was just a question. It's a really good question. So goal, roadblock, finish with the strategy. Finish with how you succeeded the goal, because you want to be left with the success in your mind. Okay, go ahead, continue. How many of you are already convinced that we are a network of relationships? Okay, pretty much everybody. Okay, how many of you uh, believe that you're still a sponge? Okay, a little bit less. Okay, great. You know, if you are truly enlightened, you'll go back to your family and nothing will change with you. You will just walk through that space in pure bliss. Some people have really empowered great relationships with your family. Now, that's not to say it has to be negative. You may have a really positive experience with your family, but you're still sponging. You're still taking something in, whether that be positive or negative. So I just want to basically say, you're a sponge. Please accept that. It's critical <laughs> because it is. You have to. If you want to hold on to the idea that you are this you, this individual that's here alone and can resist the the world around you, you can do that. But uh, you're going to struggle your whole life. And what I'm trying to do is present a system that will show you how to, with ease and joy, accomplish what you want. 
And the first thing that you need to do is you need to acknowledge that you're a network of relationships and that you are still a sponge, just like a little child. You just have, you just think you're more of an identity right now. I'm me, right? When you're a kid, you don't have an I'm me yet. You start it, right? You start definitely creating that boundary. But that boundary is in mind, primarily. Maybe only. So a, a way that I like to talk about this, which really works for me, is we're a point of perception and a point of action in a network of relationships. We are not separate from that network of relationships. We are simply, it's, it's almost like uh, we are the, for lack of a better term, someone's probably already said it, we are the earth making itself conscious. Right? We're the solar self making itself conscious. We're the universe making ourself conscious. We're God making self conscious, however you want to articulate that. But we do not exist in a vacuum. You take away our environment, you take away our social structure, and we're gone. There's nothing there. So we are that network relationship. So the more that you start to identify with yourself, not as Mike Stokes, the teacher who's trying to do a good job right here, but as a community of beings, in this room right now, as a community of humans, and the larger community. So the more I start to think about myself as that, I'm a point of perception and a point of action within a community, then the way I approach my goals is going to be very different than if I'm me just doing my thing in the world. So from the point of a network of relationships, what's most important is what those relationships look like, how those relationships are working or not working. So that's point number one. You're a network of relationships, and you're still a sponge. Point number two is, uh, well, so if these two things are true, where do I now put my attention? So what I would say is, um, and this is what I'm hoping to convince you of too, or hopefully you're already, or some of you may already believe this, um, that primarily we're a social being, right? Primarily it's people that affect us. Right? That's why we want romance. You know? mm -hmm. That's why we. That's why. Who knows the second greatest fear? Publicly speaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> death death is, number is number two. Public speaking is number one. Why is public speaking number one? Because we're social creatures. Because as we evolved, literally survival meant acceptance by the pack. Sorry, creationists. So for all of that time, in our human evolutionary state, we were in small bands. And those small bands were literally our survival. So it's hardwired up here to seek acceptance from that band. And it predates human and goes back to our primate ancestors, because their bands are their life. You're, you're out of the band as a primate, you're out. You're gone. You're not, you're not surviving anymore. And you're certainly not thriving. So if you want to thrive, if you want to survive and thrive and be happy, you've got to focus on your social structure. It is the number one ecosystem that impacts you. So not from a standpoint of pure survival, like you've got to have water, air, and food, right? You can survive. But from a standpoint of what motivates you to change, to grow, to become, to expand, you have to have, like, in... Um, What's the hierarchy of needs? Is that Maslow or is that Maslow? Maslow is the hierarchy of needs. You have to have that so that social structure 
fulfilling those basic needs. And each one of our social structures are going to be different, and each one of our social structures are going to have capacities that are developed and capacities that are not so developed. So a couple more examples, because I really want to drive this point home. Um, because there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of places that we could focus on this designing your ecosystem. We could focus on the world, we could focus on your house, we could focus on your mind, we could focus on a lot of things. But we're going to focus today on our social structure. Because, from my studies, that's the most impactful place. That's the place where you're going to produce the biggest result. And this is a really, really interesting point. You can focus on mental work, and you can do mental work, and mental work is really critical and really good. But if you do mental work and you neglect your social ecosystem, you're paddling upstream hard. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be really hard. It's going to take a lot of effort. You might get there, but you're going to get there by sheer will of force. You're not going to get there by grace and ease and flowing in relationship. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're, we're going to focus on our social structure. So a couple more examples. I've noticed this over the years as I've been thinking about this, that people of great and especially creative genius they run in packs. There's, um, what are the artists, John? Oh, all, you know, Picasso and Brock and Jasper uh, Jones and Rauschenberg. Yeah. yeah, so I'll love you just a couple more. Emerson, Thoreau, Margaret Fuller, Mark Twain, Nikola Tesla, um, for the surfers and outdoorsmen in the room, Yvonne Chouinard and Douglas Tompkins. Those are Patagonia and North Face, respectively. They were buddies. Ernest Hemingway, Ezra Pound, Scott Fitzgerald, Gertrude Stein, and T.S. Eliot all hung out together. So it is by no way the only way to create something great in your life. But it sure works. You know, and it sure is fun. You know, I personally would rather have that type of structure in my life feeding my greatness than trying to power it out by myself. I mean, you know, that's fine too. If, if, you're, if you're into that sort of dynamic, that could be a good source of joy for you. I don't want to discount working by yourself. There's total goodness, there's total greatness in that too. Um, but if you're trying to accomplish one thing through your mind space, and everything in your social ecosystem is trying to push you in the other direction, and you're not working on your social ecosystem, that's not very smart. Don't do that. Okay, so a couple other things. I really like these examples, and I'm just going to drive this point home so that hopefully you're going to go home and you're going to be like, I am going to get to work on my social ecosystem. Um, the centenarians of Okinawa. So the two longest living, the three longest living places that they found on Earth are the centenarians of Okinawa, the, um, <coughs> you could call them the centenarians of Ikaria in the Greek islands, and then, I don't have much information on it, but there's also a tribe of mestizos in the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. So the common thread between those is a, a very powerful structure of social interaction. Those people hang out all the time, every day. They go to lunch together, they have dinner together, they play dominoes together, they go to community centers together. All the time, they hang out. So if your goal is to live to be 100 and happy and fulfilled, Strong social structure. Nothing else is consistent with long life and health other than strong social structure and a purpose for life. So having in yourself, and that'll get to the next part of your social structure, is your role. 
your role in your, in your social structure. He's defining, articulating, knowing, embracing, saying, expressing your unique gift to the world, starting with the people around you. You have to have that to give if you want to live a fulfilled, dynamic life. So this is beyond just accomplishing your goal, but the more, it's not really, it's connected. The happier you are, the more fulfilled and dynamic you feel in your entire life, the more easy it is to achieve your goals. It's, that's, uh, there's studies that, there's a lot of studies that support that. Um, and then, you know, this is, I, I'd, be, uh, I'd be leaving out information if I didn't tell you this. The other thing that is, is common to all of those cultures is um, they have uh, they all eat well and they all take time off. They all chill. You know, they they socialize to just socialize and they relax. There's real dedicated times for that. There's hard work. There's a lot. Of, there's incredibly hard work, but there's also incredibly deep relaxation in a social environment. Is there anyone who would be willing to make themselves? look like a total jerk, a total ass to everyone in the room. Not in a funny way, but like that everyone would really disapprove of you. I don't think there's anybody. None of us want to do that because it taps into that emotional root place that says social acceptance is more important than anything else. So have I convinced you to work on your social ecosystem yet? Yes. That, was the, that was the main purpose of that talk, was to convince you to start working on it. Okay. Silence is okay. Why don't we take a meditative silence? Let's do that. Just reflection. Breathe deep, relax. See, see what is happening to you. in your mind to move through your body. Again, soft, easy breath, relaxed mouth, hips sinking into the floor. If there's no thoughts, that's fine. We're just letting that sink. Letting, if thoughts arise, fears, ideas, concerns, arguments, doesn't matter. Just let whatever wants to come up, come up. See it, and see it as part of your process, your growth edge. that is now being fostered in a social ecosystem which could not occur otherwise. There's something that's happening right here given everyone in the room, everybody's brain space, body space, connections in the world that's creating a dynamic right now that is influencing your thought space, my thought space, all of our thought space, our emotional body space. We are connecting and interacting with one another.
just let arise what arises and take note of it. Just observe it. So the next conversation I want to have is a slightly different energetic. So a good way to change energetic is to physically stand up and stretch and move. So perfect opportunity, physically stand up, stretch, move, do whatever your body feels like it needs to release and change gears. So you can start thinking about number one as you're, those of you that are ready to start thinking about what are my greatest strengths? Just at least three. So if you have a tough time answering this question, what are my greatest strengths, that's okay. If it's easier for you, just pop off the three first things that come to your head. Um, if you don't, then either think of someone you know, like they're having a conversation with you saying like, hey, you know, I think you're a really good listener. Or wow, you're the smartest person that I know. Or, you know, wow, you really have a good grasp at taking these diverse material and bring them into a cohesive whole. Or man, you're really, I feel good around you. We're not working on our goal right now. So what we're doing is, so if you are your, a network of relationships, you're still a sponge, and your most important ecosystem is your social ecosystem, and we're gonna start designing a social ecosystem of, su of support, one of the things that you need to do is you need to identify your role. You need to identify your niche. You know, are you like a redwood? Are you like a bee? Uh, are you like a, a salmon? Uh, are you like a fungi? I mean, you don't necessarily need to correlate it to an animal. You can straight it as traits. You know, like, like I'm a good talker. <laughs> and I like to talk. And, I'm, you know, and I can articulate things well. So that's one of my strengths. You know, I develop listening. I surround myself with listeners so that I become a better listener. That's not one of my strengths. But I have people in my ecosystem that constantly remind me of that so that I develop that and so that they make sure that that's happening. So the point is not to any, find anything that you uh, need to work on with just latent natural tendencies. The salmon doesn't try to be a salmon, it's a salmon. A redwood doesn't try to be a redwood, it's a redwood. The fungi doesn't try to fungi, it fungis. So just be that. Whatever you are, like, and you can look through the things that you do. What do you do in your life? Maybe you're an accountant. Maybe you're like the best accountant on the planet. Maybe you're a writer. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe those roles are totally disconnected from what you are best at. So maybe that's not a place to look. But you always need to, um, not you always need to, but your roles may identify, and then there's other roles. There's roles that you have in your relationships. Like maybe your friends come to you for advice. Maybe they come to you because you listen to them about their problems. Or maybe uh, maybe you are the one who does the books in your family. Maybe you're the one who gives the rides. Okay. Uh, and it's critical to write them down, too. 
write them down, you're claiming them, you're drawing a neural pathway. I claim these as my strengths. I claim this as my niche. I claim this as my gift that I have to give to my ecosystem. But the point is, is that evolution is primarily a story of cooperation. The competition part that is, you, you see a little bit is the tip of the iceberg. You know, the very first evolutionary life jump was when two single-celled or, single organisms, one wrapped around the other. And this one kept doing this function, and that one started doing that function, and there's a cooperative life net that began. And then from there, it kept going. Cooperation, 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 cooperation. And not only cooperation, but mutually beneficial interdependent cooperations. So that's what we're going to focus on. How do you create a social ecosystem that is specifically designed or intentionally designed by you, by you to have mutually interdependent beneficial relationships and roles? So a good way to start doing that is to start looking at what are my strengths? You know, think of yourself as a species. Think of yourself as a unique species that can play a role in the ecosystem. That serves a function, you know, like the fungi processes those dead leaves and turns them into makes them available for the plants to grow. Fungi is such a great example, the mycorrhizal root relationship where the, the fungi fingers grow on the roots and then they draw the minerals out of the ground and give them to the roots and the roots give them sugar back. So they're, they're just connecting to each other, they're, they're just giving each other Filling niches, constantly filling, like, oh, here's a resource that's not being used over here. I can maybe take that because I have a long right arm and give it to someone over here. It's always happening all around you in nature. But we don't, I mean, we do this a lot unconsciously. If you look through your life, you're going to see that it's happening all the time. It's just not consciously designed. And it's specifically probably not consciously designed in line with your goals. So start thinking more in terms of this, what is your role, and how does that role fit into your social ecosystem? Okay. I prefer that you stick it, to, that you stay with three. Because, you know, there is no multitasking redwood. You know, I mean, the truth is, is that you probably have a hundred talents. But there's really only a few things that you're going to be excellent at. And your ecosystem wants you to be excellent so that they can come to you when they need that. You know? Yeah. So that's, and, and I want you to claim that. You know? Like, own it, it's yours. So here's another principle that I like. This is a really great principle when it comes to development. So in our life, we'll have punctuations of growth because nature is fractal. It, what was the word you used? So it, so we're, we're like that too. We have equilibrium, punctuated growth. Equilibrium, punctuated growth. Equilibrium, punctuated growth. Those punctuated growth spurts usually happen by accident. They can happen on purpose, but those punctuated growth spurts happen. You'll, if you start looking, you'll see it in an ecosystem. That ecosystem will say, punctuated growth, and, and the whole ecosystem will call you out and go, change. Then you do. Right? So what I'm trying to do is teach you how to stay more in that, not necessarily equilibrium, um, restorative. Let's say restorative. If, you're, if you try to punctuate through 
it takes a huge amount of design on your part to make that happen, a huge amount of support. So let's just ease into it. So a good way to think about that is any time that you're going for growth, so just leaning down, so just cross one thing off. You've got 10, cross off one. Maybe tomorrow you can cross off another. You know, just lean into it. That's how, that's most of the evolutionary thing. It's like this, you know. And it goes like that, but mostly it's like this. So that's how your life should be. Should be like this. Instead of, <laughs> I am advising her to adopt a niche. So I guess I should start talking about the principles of resilient ecosystems. So niching of individual species is a principle of a resilient ecosystem. They, they don't, species don't try, I mean they'll overlap in their function, but they won't do many multiple functions. So there is a, there is a let's say a methodology to your niche. So what you want to do is if you, you, can, you can articulate your strength in any way that's empowering to you. I mean there's two elements to this. One is empowering you from a psychic point of view. And the other is practicality, like this is what I have to offer to, to help my ecosystem thrive, which then makes me thrive. Okay, so, so niching is one principle of resilient ecosystems. Okay, so if, if you don't have three, what I would recommend that you do is write a roll down. That's something that people rely upon you for. Like I give people rides, you know, whatever it is. I listen to people. Whatever it is that, that you see that you do a lot of that you're you're dependable for. So just make sure that you're you're it, 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 you know, narrowing it down or fleshing it out. So remember which side you're on. Just get try to get to that that point where you have about three. That's a really there's something really powerful about threes. Change conversations. <laughs> thing is uh, the diversity. So what does that mean, a diversity in your social? So basically I'm going to apply all of these to your social ecosystem. Okay. So what does diversity mean in your social ecosystem? So one of the ways that I was starting to think about this was you could have in your immediate social ecosystem, you could have such diversity that it was total chaos. People, and then here's what that would look like. That would look like people with totally different value sets and totally different interests and a totally different vision for life, right? So everyone in this room has a similar value set, similar interests, and a similar vision for life. We all care about the planet, we all care about people, we all wanna do what's right for the Earth and our fellow humans. So you can, th you can think of it this way. People with different value sets are like different ecosystems. They're like a savanna rainforest. You don't try to put a redwood in a savanna. You don't try to put a grass plains in a, re in a redwood forest. They exist in their own worlds. They mix at the edges, right? They co-mingle and there's a lot of power and vitality and energy at those edges. But they don't cohabitate because it's total chaos. Their, their roles are not consistent with that. So in your social ecosystem, you want to have people who do share your values, who do share your vision for life, who do share your interests. They don't have to be the same. They at least have to have threads that connect. 
But you want diversity within that. You want really diversity of roles within that so that the person who's a great saver is in your ecosystem, especially if you have a hard time saving money. You know? Or that person who's a really great communicator is in your ecosystem because, and when you're more of a programmer type. So you want to have a diverse ecosystem of people in your world that can bring forth that wisdom of a fully functioning ecosystem. And all of these, when you have that diversity and they're bound by common interests, you'll see it. Start looking for it. You'll see it. And those organizations and groups and people that have that, they thrive. Because they have all that input that they need. They have that diversity, that interconnection that they need. So that's one. Secondly is self-replicating. What makes life life? And this is an interesting philosophical question. What makes life life is that it creates itself. Nothing outside of it creates it. Forget the ontological being this conversation about what the nature of reality is. But the first life forms that happened that created, they continue to create and divide and create and divide and create. Nothing did that to them. They did that. So life itself self-replicates and diversifies and complexifies. So, so life takes simple components and makes them complex. And look at us. Carbon, water, minerals. What the heck, man? <laughs> totally complex design, right? And that's just life lifing. <laughs> right? So, and, and this, this is, I, I don't have a good analogy yet, but start, I just want to plant the seed. Start to think in terms of how you and your ecosystem can be self-replicated. Can build of its own life. So it's not a hierarchy. It's not someone telling it to happen. It just lives. It grows. It expands. It makes itself more complex in more beautiful, dynamic, relational ways. And it just does that. And you'll see, you know, you'll take little actions. You'll be like, wow, that thought that I shared with so-and-so just rippled out into my world, and now it's everywhere. So that's one way that life can self-replicate. Again, it's fractal. Ideas are like lives. They're like lives. goes out and self-replicates sometimes. They're really powerful ones do. And negative ones do, too. <clears throat> so another way to say that is that life is... In, in doing that, it's always net fertility enhancing. So it always leaves more life, more space for life, as it produces itself. You know, there's a new, there's, there's terms called net fertility farming, net fertility forestry. And, and so that's how we want to think about our life. We want our, our life, our goals, our social ecosystem to be, to build upon itself. Grow. So, a, a way, a simple way to think about that is: Am I giving to my social network, and my social network giving back to me? And is the net result more than if we were just individuals? You know, like we throw a holiday party every year, and that is a tangible experience of a net result of this joy and abundance and celebration that is is a mutually life-enhancing experience. For the long term. Life is always for the long term. Things that are short term oriented die out. So, so more you want your goals, 
and the relationships. So this is an interesting. What if you related to your relationships in a longer term way? Like we have a cultural disease of short-term orientation in, a, in the sort of mega city world that's evolving on the planet. Short marriages, short friendships, <coughs> lots of moving, everybody disconnected. So what if we tried to create a longer term in our relationships and in our goals? That's a really good one to think about goals too. How is your specific goal created to your long term? Because the more it's in line with your long term, the easier it's going to be not necessarily the easier, but the more fulfilling it's going to be in the long run. Um, there's always redundancies in nature. So one plant moves out, another one moves in and takes its place. And not in nature, but in resilient ecosystems. And then we've already talked about individual niching. So there's always a niching that happens in a resilient ecosystem. Um, everything plays its role and its function. We call it a mutually beneficial relationship. We call it a mutualism. But uh, it's just to have that concept really grounded. What you want to do in your social ecosystem is create mutually beneficial interactions, relationships, and roles. So that I benefit from interacting with you, and you benefit from interacting with me. And the more you shed light on that, because it happens all the time. If you don't give people benefit in your life, they disappear. If they don't give you benefit, you might have an unhealthy relationship with them for a while, but eventually, hopefully, they'll disappear. So you want to continue to foster and nurture that back and forth, that mutually beneficial relationship that happens. Constantly feeding each other and the other people in the community as well. Time, nature's always timed and cycles. So you can think of time cycles and you think of material cycles. Um, so in terms of time cycles, I like this in terms of goal orientation. Uh, it's really great to get in touch with your personal energy cycle. You know, each one of us has a different flow of sharpness, of energy. When I'm have the most mental acuity, when I'm you know more able to do physical activities. So if you start timing your goal, your personal goals. So this is more directed towards personal goals around your personal energy flow, rather than trying to be a linear, like, I'm going to go to the gym every 6 a.m. on, you know, five days a week, when, you know, maybe, maybe in the morning times, it's not really a time that you've ever had a lot of energy. So, and maybe the afternoon times is a time that you always have a lot of physical drive. So instead of trying to map our, so we of trying to shove ourselves in an idea of what the culture or society or our friends or our family or an old past idea has of what's the appropriate energy flow for a human being of trying to see what the natural ones are. Now there's a caveat to that because you can always grow in energy. You can always increase your energy flow. And so you don't want to start relating to yourself as a stagnant energy form. Like this is the amount of energy I have. This is the amount of sleep that I need. This is, you, you don't want to start like putting yourself in that box. So you want to acknowledge that there's evolution that can happen to you. That you can evolve into a different being. But at the same time, so there's always this theme in growth, personal growth, ecological growth. There's always this dance. But specifically with the human context where we have the capacity to interpret reality. So the difference between us and an ecosystem is we have the capacity to interpret reality. And we add meaning to that reality all the time. We're always saying that this was good, this was bad, I can do this, I can't do this. 
I like these things, I don't like these things. Nature doesn't do that. It maybe recoils from pain and moves into pleasure uh, and has imagery, you know. And non-language mammals probably have imagery. So, but for us, we can interpret that. So that's a really important caveat that as you're starting to honor the body, so to speak, you're honoring the body energy flows in this, in this ecosystem and the social ecosystem. What are those people's timing and energy and how can you align with that best and the bigger ecosystem, but also to allow for evolution to occur. So not to get stuck into like, this is my energy, this is how it works. You know, you put in different inputs, you can have a different energy flow. You put in different... So again, the point is, is there's always a dance between self-acceptance, I'm whole, I'm complete, I'm perfect, you know, coming from a place of gratitude. We all know that we're supposed to be grateful for what we already have. Coming from that place of gratitude and having goals. You're inherently saying when you have goals that I want something more that I have than what I have. So it's critical that you live in the paradox of that and continue to grow in your appreciation and presence and ability to see what's really happening in the moment with you and those around you and then stepping into that evolution. So the thing I like about personal growth and growth in general is that life is growth, right? Well, why did life happen? It just grew and it kept growing. And it grew, 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 and it grew. So that's you. You are growth. You are the desire for growth. It's inherent in your nature. You can't stop it. It's going to come out one way or another. So let's channel it and move it in a positive way. Okay, a couple more. So again, these are just seeds. We're not trying to really grab onto any of them right now. They're just seeds. Uh, nature is effective. What do I mean by effective? Nature, when it needs... Uh, three seeds to plant a tree to grow its ecosystem a little bit farther out, uh, it'll make 3,000. Right? It makes an abundance. It makes extra. It's always ensuring that the result is going to happen, and it, it creates, again, the conditions for life. It creates this mutual independence. But at the same time, it's incredibly efficient in the way that it uses energy. It's incredibly nuanced, incredibly uh, gentle in the way that it takes these simple components and combines them in an infinite amount of ways and makes them into new things. The nature of creation, not the God conversation, not talking about that. Um, that is what it is. But the nature of creation on Earth of life right now. So we are creative beings. So that's the distinction between us and ecosystems is we have the power to create, right? I was talking to Kristen about this on the way here. So there's a lot of talk about restoration, right? And bringing the earth back to its vital state that it used to be in before we trampled all over it. But it's almost a misguided goal because right now, if we are a network of relationships, and we are points of perception and action. Seven billion points of perception and action. And those points of perception are potential creative forces. Potential imaginers of new ways to organize things. So that's never existed before. We've never had that much creative energy on Earth. 
we've had small bits of creative consciousness over the millennium of our evolutionary time. So we, we're in a new era of where that is what needs to be harnessed. Because that creative power is going to be productive or destructive, depending on the way culture moves. So it's our job to try to reinvent that culture and align it more with what the ecosystems need and want. And trying to convince people that you can have everything you want easier, better, happier, by just aligning with the ecosystems. It'll all work. And you'll get what you want. And you'll be happy in the process. So since we're a network of relationships, and we are this point of perception and action, and we are this web of conscious, creative action right now, there's an incredible power there. So, but that power has to be aligned with the realities of life. The reality number one is that we have a huge amount of energy that comes in every day via the sun. Terawatts every day of energy here every day. And then we have inside of the earth the closed loop cycle of all the materials. All the carbon that goes into a plant it comes out and stays. The carbon doesn't go anywhere. You know, the minerals don't go anywhere with the exception of a couple spaces. Okay, so there's comets and meteors. That there are external influences. But for the most part, we're a closed system, closed material system. So those are the two givens, right? Huge amount of energy, closed material systems, these networks of relationships that create a stable ecosystem, which we all know we're destroying right now. We're destroying the network of relationships, which is undermining our potential, which is undermining our home, our potential to, to live and thrive. So obviously we want to repair all that stuff. And one of the things we're doing here is trying to reframe the way we think about our own personal lives so that it's in line with that. But the third thing, and this is I think the most important thing, point that I want to drive home, and that is that so much of the conversation about ecological stewardship is about the inherent limitation. You know, maybe, maybe in the morning times it's not really a time that you've ever had a lot of energy. So and maybe the afternoon times is a time that you always have a lot of physical drive. So instead of trying to map our, so instead of trying to shove ourselves in an idea of what the culture or society or our friends or our family or an old past idea has of what's the appropriate energy flow for a human being, of trying to see what the natural ones are. Now there's a caveat to that because you can always grow in energy. You can always increase your energy flow. And so you don't want to start relating to yourself as a stagnant energy form. Like, this is the amount of energy I have. This is the amount of sleep that I need. This is, you, you don't want to start like putting yourself in that box. So you want to acknowledge that there's evolution that can happen to you. That you can evolve into a different being. But at the same time, so there's always this theme in growth, personal growth, ecological growth. There's always this dance. But specifically with the human context where we have the capacity to interpret reality. So the difference between us and an ecosystem is we have the capacity to interpret reality. And we add meaning to that reality all the time. We're always saying that this was good, this was bad, I can do this, I can't do this, I like these things, I don't like these things. Nature doesn't do that. It maybe recoils from pain and moves into pleasure uh, and has imagery, you know. Non-language non mammals probably have imagery. So, but for us, we can interpret that. So that's a really important caveat that as you're starting to honor the body, so to speak, you're honoring the body energy flows in this, in this ecosystem and the social ecosystem. What are those people's timing and energy and how can you align with that best? 
and the bigger ecosystem, but also to allow for evolution to occur. So not to get stuck into like, this is my energy, this is how it works. You know, you put in different inputs, you can have a different energy flow. You put in different, so again, the point is, is there's always a dance between self-acceptance, I'm whole, I'm complete, I'm perfect, you know, coming from a place of gratitude. We all know that we're supposed to be grateful for what we already have. Coming from that place of gratitude and having goals. You're inherently saying when you have goals that I want something more that I have than what I have. So it's critical that you live in the paradox of that and continue to grow in your appreciation and presence and ability to see what's really happening in the moment with you and those around you and then stepping into that evolution. So the thing I like about personal growth and growth in general is that life is growth, right? Well, why did life happen? It just grew and it kept growing and it grew 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 and it grew. So that's you. You are growth. You are the desire for growth. It's inherent in your nature. You can't stop it. It's going to come out one way or another. So let's channel it and move it in a positive way. Okay, a couple more. So again, these are just seeds. We're not trying to really grab onto any of them right now. They're just seeds. Uh, nature is effective. What do I mean by effective? Nature, when it needs uh, three seeds to plant a tree to grow its ecosystem a little bit farther out, uh, it'll make 3,000. Okay? It makes an abundance. It makes extra. It's always ensuring that the result is going to happen, and it, it creates, again, the conditions for life. It creates this mutual independence. But at the same time, it's incredibly efficient in the way that it uses energy. It's incredibly nuanced, it's incredibly uh, gentle in the way that it takes these simple components and combines them in an infinite amount of ways and makes them into new things. So that brings me back to the very beginning of where I actually thought I was going to start the talk. And that is the nature of creation. Not the God conversation. Not talking about that. Um, that is what it is. But the nature of creation on Earth of life right now. So we are creative beings. So that's the distinction between us and ecosystems is we have the power to create. Right? I was talking to Kristen about this on the way here. So there's a lot of talk about restoration, right? And bringing the earth back to its vital state that it used to be in before we trampled all over it. But it's almost a misguided goal because right now, if we are a network of relationships and we are points of perception and action, is there seven billion people on the planet now? Seven, yeah. Seven billion points of perception and action. And those points of perception are potential creative forces, potential imaginers of new ways to organize things. So that's never existed before. We've never had that much creative energy on Earth. We've had small bits of creative consciousness over the millennium of our evolutionary time. So we're in a new era of where that is what needs to be harnessed, because that creative power is going to be productive or destructive depending on the way culture moves. So it's our job, well, I've taken upon it as my job, 
to try to reinvent that culture and align it more with what the ecosystems need and want. And trying to convince people that you can have everything you want easier, better, happier, by just aligning with the ecosystems. It'll all work. And you'll get what you want. And you'll be happy in the process. So since we're a network of relationships, and we are this point of perception and action, and we are this web of conscious, creative action right now, there's an incredible power there. So, but that power has to be aligned <coughs> with the realities of life. The reality number one is that we have a huge amount of energy that comes in every day via the sun, right? Billions, I wrote it down, I didn't write it down in this particular, but there's terawatts every day of energy <coughs> here every day. And then we have inside of the earth the closed loop cycle of all the materials. All the carbon that goes into a plant comes out, it stays. The carbon doesn't go anywhere. You know, the minerals don't go anywhere, with the exception of a couple spaceships. You know, we probably bring back. Well, no, we probably put out. Whether we bring back, but bring back. Do you think we bring back? Comets and meteors. Right. Okay. So there's comets and meteors. That there are external influences, but for the most part, we're a closed system, closed material system. So those are the two givens, right? Huge amount of energy, closed material systems, these networks of relationships that create a stable ecosystem, which we all know we're destroying right now. We're destroying the network of relationships, which is undermining our potential, which is undermining our home, our potential to, to live and thrive. So obviously, we want to repair all that stuff. And one of the things we're doing here is trying to reframe the way we think about our own personal lives so that it's in line with that. But the third thing, and this is, I think, the most important thing, point that I want to drive home, and that is that so much of the conversation about ecological stewardship is about the inherent limitations. If we have A is, A is the solar resource, and let's say B is the energy, the, the finite materials, and then C is us, and what are we? We have the capacity to mix these two things up in all kinds of ways, right? We do it all the time. We make buildings, we make cars, we make all kinds of stuff, right? We mix the energy and the materials of the earth, right? So if that's, if that's that capacity, that's us, what is that capacity? Is there a limit to that capacity? Is there a limit to the number of ways that we can combine material on the earth? No. Is there a limit? Right, but there's, there, and theoretically there's not. There would become a point where we made the, the, the planet uninhabitable, right? But theoretically there's no way, there's no limit to how much we can combine those. And is there, there's a limit to the amount of energy that comes to the earth, but there's a lot of it for a long time, right? So you still have, this is, this is limited, this is limited, but the combinations of the two, us, is infinite. So if you're multiplying limited by limited, or even adding limited by limiting, and multiplying it by an infinite amount of combinations, that still leaves infinite potential. There's still an infinite potential of how we can create. Now, I say that with a caveat, and the caveat is that those combinations have to be aligned with the fundamental principles of how ecosystems work and how they create stable systems for life to exist, for the life that we know. So as long as we follow these ecosystem principles, the combinations that we can make are infinite. 
which means that, you know, I mean, this may sound crazy to some people, but we could literally invent an entire new ecosystem as long as it was in line with all those principles and the new principles that we discovered along the way. I just want you to pick five people, five closest people in your ecosystem, put yourself at the center, and then start writing the names of the other people in your ecosystem. And how you track who they are, they're the people you interact with most. They're not the people that you hold closest. They're the people you interact with most. So that's how you put them out in the circle. So you're in the center, and then first circle would be, you know, five times a week. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's not the point. The point is to just start mapping who you interact with most, up to five people. You just want to get uh, a beginning. So once you've got around five people, then start to speculate on what their uh, strengths and powers are. Once you're finished with that, then you're going to go a few pages forward to part six, Ecosystem Action Plan for Success. <laughs> Don't rely on memory. Use structures. In, in my support group, we use structures all the time. We use email, we use phone calls, we use meetings, we use pop-ups on computers, whatever. Use structures for your goals. Okay. So write down in the first section here, who are the best people to seek guidance in achieving your goal? So people you already know, or people that you don't know that you could think you could go to. So the point is to put as much energy into the support of achieving your goal as in the actions to achieve the goal. As much energy into the support. Beginning the process of thinking in terms of mutually beneficial relationships everywhere in your life starting with your goal. If you're stuck, think of simple things. I can give them a ride. Because you want to have a reciprocal relationship develop. So that person is helping you. Maybe, they're gonna, maybe you're going to ask them to help you with your goal. And maybe in return, you're going to go shop for them. Whatever. Preferably, it's aligned with your greatest skills. But in the beginning, as you're developing your ecosystem, just beginning that reciprocity is a good place to start an action that you are going to take this week. So I'm going to say this with a caveat. This is where the rubber meets the road. So this is where the rubber meets the road. So here's the caveat. Maybe the first goal you should take as an action is building that ecosystem. So one of the things that I said in the intro class was start the process of setting goals by backing off and planning the goal and setting up the support structures first. So then you develop this relationship with yourself as someone who follows through on what they say. And it doesn't have to be hard. So when you do these little easy ones, it becomes like, it takes that, oh, freaking, I'm dominated by my commitments. You want to take that out of your mindset and have it be an ease, a joy, a, a new way that you relate to making commitments. So make a commitment that supports your goal in the first week, I would recommend. You're free to make whatever goal you want. You're the, you know, you're the actor and the director, and the producer. Okay. So one action. And then the other critical part about this is you need to check in with somebody. You need to let somebody else know outside of your own head. And spend as much time as you do on your actions as creating the structures for support that are going to fulfill that goal. Be clear that you're a network of relationships, that you're still a sponge, that fulfillment 
and success happens when you're really exploiting that unique niche that you have, that role, that gift that you bring. And not trying to be a, 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 a all things to all people. Yeah. Thank you all for being here. And, and, and I, I really do see you guys as, you know, we're on the same team and we're doing the same thing. So go out into your life and do what you do. And know that I'm here to support you in any way that I can to do what you do.